Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. You know, Colin, we have made over 2,000 programmes. We must have talked about so many different subjects. But there's one topic we've never talked about so far on these programmes, and that is Kingdom Faith Church and how it ever came into being. Now, you told me just a few minutes ago that today, the 9th of June, is your 45th anniversary since you were ordained. Yes, that's right. It seems... uh a very long time ago. I suppose 45 years for some people is a very long time. <laughs> uh, they've been very exciting years, full of so much blessing, so many riches, so, many, so much evidence of God's grace. And I, I just feel immensely privileged to be at the heart of um, really several moves of God during that period of time. Now, sometimes when people back over the, look back over the years, they start to reminisce, but we're not doing that. We're, we're rather telling the story. We're looking back and just seeing how God has led you through all these years. Yes, I, I thought it would be a good idea for us to do a week of programs about Kingdom Faith uh, so that people can understand the context out of which uh, I teach every time we... Uh, record these programs, and and also uh, to understand that what I teach is always worked out in experience, in practice, not only in my life, uh, but in the whole of Kingdom Faith. Uh, now, you, you referred just now to Kingdom Faith Church, but of course Kingdom Faith is much bigger than just a local church. And so we'll, we'll see during the course of this week um, the very extensive areas of ministry that we we cover. But of course, Kingdom Faith is fairly recent in your experience, isn't it? The church. The church has been going for about 15 years, but Kingdom Faith itself has, um, in its embryo form, started uh, over 30 years ago. So let's put the clock back then. 30 years, 45 years, where do we begin? Well, we begin in 1976, uh, that is when I left the church where I had been vicar in Luton. And um, we had had five and a half years of continuous revival uh, of a very, very wonderful kind. You know, whenever there's some kind of move of God, um, People call it revival, like people are referring to what's happening in Florida at present as a revival. And in one sense, that's a perfect valid claim. But revival, really, in its fullest sense, is something that doesn't just produce miracles, signs and wonders, but embraces every aspect of our lives and every aspect of the church's life. Now, when you went to the church in Luton, Colin, you were a a young vicar. Had you experienced revival before? Did you know what it was like? No, I knew nothing, really, um, about revival at all. In fact, I wouldn't even have known uh, that what God was doing amongst us was called revival. It's, it's, it was only subsequently when I began to understand what revival is historically in the history of the church, uh, but also when I began to travel after I left Luton and um, my ministry was very in very great demand at that time because uh, it was known all over this nation and around the world really what God was doing in that church in Luton. Uh, but when I began to compare what we'd experienced then with what people were calling renewal 
in their local churches. I understood that we had been experiencing something that was very different. It, it um, encompassed what people call by renewal. It certainly involved um, being baptized in the Spirit and experiencing the gifts of the Spirit, and there were <clears throat> much healing. But there were a whole lot of other things, uh, particularly the quality and the depth of love that people had both for God and for one another, that I never found in any other churches in the renewal in this country or in any other country. The first time I really encountered that same degree of what I call full revival was when I went and started to minister in some of the big revival churches in Argentina and South America, churches of 150,000 and so on, vast churches that had grown up within a few years there. And I saw that same quality of love there that uh, we'd been experiencing in Luton. So my, my whole life and ministry was really turned upside down during that time. It was like living in a totally different spiritual world and environment. And that was to set the the tone for the rest of your ministry, really? Well, yes, the whole church came alive in, in a new way, and people were being saved every day. They were getting filled with the Spirit. The miracles of healing were just commonplace. I mean, we didn't focus them. We didn't um, in, in any way draw attention to them. For the 15 months, every sick person we prayed with was healed. And uh, uh, but it was just a commonplace. It was just expected that when we prayed, God would answer, miracles would happen, and some astonishing healings uh, during that period of time. Uh, and I knew while I was there, because God had spoken to me very clearly, that I would not spend the rest of my ministry there, that what God was working in me was a preparation for how he wanted my voice to be heard among the nations. Now, I had no desire for a traveling ministry, no desire to go among the nations. All I wanted to do was really just be a faithful minister in that particular congregation. Uh, and I realized that God wanted to pitchfork me into something that would be a tremendous challenge and would take me way, way outside my comfort zones, anything that I had wanted for myself. Uh, and. When I went and saw my bishop, who became the, the Archbishop of Canterbury, to, to um, tell him that uh, I believe God was moving into a wider ministry, he said to me, well, Colin, I don't want you to go because I know that what is happening in your church is of God, but I can see that it's important that you do because what is happening in your church needs to happen in every church everywhere. And I thought that was a very wonderful comment coming from uh, someone who became the Archbishop about the same time as I left Luton um, and uh, really showed the the depth of perception that, that he had. And uh, it was really leaving the security of having a home and income and launching out into the deep um, because in the natural we had nothing. And of course, there was my wife and uh, our three young children, as they were then. And I didn't want to take a whole lot of people out of the church. I took just two single people who would help me administratively um, with, with um, all the work that obviously was 
already beginning to pile up even before I left Luton. So you were aware that the transition might be a challenging one. How did it actually work out in practice? Well, we we had been living in community for the the last two or three years of our time in Luton. So we could had a house full of people. Yes. Um, well, more than that, there were 50 people in the congregation who shared everything in common. They put 100% of their wages into the community and just took back what they needed and the rest supported people in ministry because we did have people coming from all over uh, and therefore we needed people who were available and free to uh, help and to minister to them. And also I was involved so much, especially with leaders um, from all over the place, that um, a lot of the parish work needed to be done by other people. So um, it, it was wonderful because, of course, everybody was anointed, everybody was empowered by God, by the Holy Spirit, and therefore they were able to do these things. They were anointed to do them. So we, we started just with a very small household, and um, I was already invited to speak at many big international and national renewal conferences. And uh, so I, I began to travel. My first major trip was to New Zealand and Australia. And of course, I had no experience of traveling. I had seven weeks of continuous ministry. And <laughs> I didn't realize the pressures and just how tiring it was. And I didn't realize it's not just all the meetings you do. It's all the meals and the meetings that you have in between the meetings. You're just constantly, constantly um, at everybody's beck and call. You, you, people are asking you questions. They're, they want the advice and, and wisdom on a whole variety of things. I mean, it, it was just totally nonstop. So I, until you experience it, you just don't know how demanding and challenging it is. And why was it that God wanted you to travel so much well, of course, um, he wanted to bring life to his church. So you were taking out from Luton. What I was taking. I, well, it was in the, it was in the good, if you like, of what I'd seen God do, um, and uh, it was a very wonderful time because uh, I had entrance into not only the Anglican but other denominational churches as well. Um, and many, many people back in those days had been going to church all their lives or for many years without ever really having heard the gospel, without being challenged to repent and to be born again. Uh, many, of course, had never been baptized in the Spirit. They weren't released in ministry themselves, were not really familiar with healing ministry or with seeing miracles of healing take place. So in those years, it was a very, very rich time of um, seeing thousands of people, tens of thousands of people being born again, filled with the Spirit, healed. Uh, and it was just such a wonderful, wonderful experience because everywhere I went, there would be great crowds of people. Uh, and um, we would just have a move of the Spirit at every meeting. So, uh, you know, I just felt very, very privileged to be in that kind of a position. And we haven't got really to talking about kingdom of faith except to say that kingdom of faith was formed around the need not only for me to travel but to have a whole group of people that could be available for such ministry. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 